and I lost my train of thought. Nice. <laughs> it was going to go so well, too. Welcome to episode 11 of the NTO podcast. Today, we're going to talk about ending projects and killing side projects and how to strangle them in their cribs sometimes. <laughs> and yeah, so this, just to start it off strong, is uh, the last episode of this podcast. Right, Jess? Yes. Yes. And so just to give everybody a little bit of background, I think we may have mentioned it a little bit on the last episode. But when we started the whole project, we had this initial thought that we would try it out and see how it worked. It was a bit of a departure from our collaborations before. It was a different format, different type of working situation. And we decided to take this 10-episode kind of starter run as a evaluation period before we decide whether or not we're going to try to do it in a longer-term way. After we finished our 10th episode, I think we both kind of reflected on it. We talked about it. And the end verdict ended up being it didn't necessarily fit into things going forward. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And I think for both of us in different ways, we both have different end goals. And Mm. I think it didn't fit in this current phase of getting towards those goals on both sides. Yeah. So we should go into that a little bit more in a little bit. But let's start out by just talking a little bit about ending projects generally because I think we've spent a fair amount of time and I think a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about and thinking about how to start projects and how to get them going and get them off the ground and stay consistent with them but there is a certain point with a lot of things essentially everything in your life at one point or another that you have to end what you're working on Mm -hmm. because you don't have time to do everything like you've talked about in the last couple episodes about this feeling of overwhelm of being drawn in too many directions it's useful to try a lot of things. It's useful to learn a lot of things, but it's impossible to continue to follow all of those tracks all of the time. So sometimes you do have to end things. Yeah. And it's very difficult to know when to end something versus when to pivot something. And yeah, like, absolutely. what is, what is a good reasoning? So yeah, just ending projects is something that is not really talked about at all. Even on podcasts you'll listen to, suddenly there's a new podcast host and you're like, where did this person go? Why did they just (laughs) disappear? And then it's like this taboo. No one talks about it. And you're wondering what's the story. Yeah, Yeah, but that's why I'm glad we're talking about it. (laughs) True, true. And it's, it's hard for people in the moment to make that decision. And this is why I think you see a lot of things limp on until they just absolutely die because- It's hard for people to give up something that they've spent a fair amount of time and energy working on. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's so useful to have a starter period, because you do need to get going with projects. You need to get them started. You need to get them out there in the world. You need to get moving. But it's useful, especially if you are collaborating with someone, to have a set period for reevaluation. Because a good chunk of the time when you start a new project, it's not going to be a perfect fit. And you're going to have to redirect it, pivot it, or kill it. And it's so much harder to do that when you haven't prepared for that with discussions with the people you're working with so that you open yourself up to that possibility. Because really, you can't continue any sort of collaboration unless everybody's on board fully. Yeah. So, okay, what goes into your thinking about ending projects? Like, I I guess, do you have a evaluation criteria that you think about or... 
I don't have anything very formalized, but off okay. the top of my head and based on obviously decisions I've made recently and in the past, a major part of it is how many projects am I currently working on? How much time yeah. do I have overall in the pie and how much is this taking? And then what is my overarching goal? And is the time that it's taking and time is one metric, but mental energy and thoughts about it and all of that are another part of it. How much overall space is this taking? And is this putting me in the direction I want to go? Well, and I think the last thing you said there is really one of the keys in terms of the direction you're going mm -hmm. and in terms of how cohesively all of your projects fit together. Exactly. Because ideally, as we've talked about with so many things in life, getting things to kind of double count is a great thing. So if you get something to work on two fronts, like I like to have my work be focused on things that I'm interested in and things that I want to learn anyway, right? So that's yeah. one way that you can double count it. But another way is if you have two or three projects and they all push towards the same goal, maybe they're on different fronts of the same goal, that is extremely useful. And you do start to walk into dangerous waters when you have, not dangerous waters, but potentially counterproductive waters when you suddenly yeah. have a lot of projects that if they are successful, they will take too much time and they will pull you in the wrong directions. Like, And they're all pulling you in different directions, potentially, exactly. if they're not all, like you said, more cohesive. Yeah, pr precisely. Like, and, it, and if you have, like the real danger sign in my mind is if you have two projects, let's just simplify it down to two. And if both of those projects are hugely successful, then they kind of eliminate each other. So you would have to choose which one to follow if they were both successful, right? Because yeah. suddenly you're faced with a situation where you don't want them to both be successful. Like it, you should be trying to structure it so that your projects are not mutually exclusive if you scale them up. And yeah. so when you start to see things that don't fit into a unified vision, it's a moment to rethink and recalibrate what you're doing. Yeah, I thought of... a. Uh... A kind of analogy for this. I thought of when okay. you were in, say, elementary school and you just start trying all these different sports or activities and your parents sure. let you try a bunch of them and you think, okay, there's these four and I want to keep trying them. You get to middle school, you decide, maybe I'm going to do two, but I'm going to be subpar at them. But by the time you get to high school, you have to choose. Like you can do a certain amount of them. There's only so many that you can really dedicate enough time to be at a really high level. Yeah, that's true. At a certain point, you do spread yourself too thin. It's a good analogy on one side because you would spread yourself too thin. But it's also good to think about from the work context because this is not necessarily the sort of thing that you want to spend all of your time doing, you know? Like, you might enjoy multiple projects that you're working on, but do you really want to spend all of your free time working on all of those different projects? Well, you have to enjoy it a lot to say, I'm going to sacrifice social time and I'm going to sacrifice time with my significant other and I'm going to sacrifice time traveling so that I could get these projects off the ground. You have like, to be like the Gary Vaynerchuks who you're ho happy to hustle all day, every day, and you're okay letting some other things fall a little bit. Right, which does yeah. not apply to me and I don't think applies to most people because you drain yourself and at a certain point it's not pleasant. So if it's not necessary, don't do that is, is kind of my thinking on it. So that was the time one, but what is 
What is one from your perspective besides it not aligning and maybe taking time away from your ultimate goal? What's another reason to end a project? I think you have to look at what does success look like? Mm-hmm. And it's not always clear when you're starting a project what success will look like. Especially for me, a lot of the projects that I get into are about learning, about developing new skills. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of provide myself a salve against failing in a given project that if the real purpose is to develop the skills involved to a high level, then even if what I produce isn't very interesting, even if what I'm producing isn't something that I actually want to do in any long-term way, the skills was the purpose. But when you look at a project in a longer-term sense, after you've been doing it for a while and you understand what you're doing, and you say, well, what does success look like? Is that what I actually want to come from this project? Meaning, if success would derail other things that you want to be working on, or Mm -hmm. if success leads you down a path that you don't actually want to go down, or if success just doesn't get you to the level that you need to be at for it to be worth sustaining, then it's time to consider redirecting or killing the project. So to give a more concrete example of this, let's say you're a barber and you love cutting hair, right? And you're trying to start a barbershop and you're trying to grow it. But the level of success that you need for that to be your job is you say you want to earn a million dollars. And after you do some analysis of different barbershops and how much money barbers make and things like that, you realize the most successful people doing this are earning $100,000 a year. Well, then if you need to earn a million dollars, if that's what you need to determine it as success, then that's not going to work for you, right? Right. And for me, like back when I worked at the consulting firm that I worked at or like looking at a number of different professions, what success would involve would be working 80 hours a week or 70 hours a week, you know what I mean? And that's a reasonable thing that some people can do and you could be highly successful doing that. But if that's not what you want, then pursuing that path suddenly means that success provides you with things that you don't want. And so that's a really good way to assess whether or not you should continue going down a project because even if it's successful, the best case scenario, if that's something you don't actually want it to be, it's time to move away. And this, this has happened with a number of my side projects where I look at it after a while and I say, well, this is not going to go, even in the best case scenario, along a path that I feel like I can continue to pursue. So I'm just going to... Was there another project that you... I know this is getting a little bit more into the personal, but was there a project recently that you decided it needs to be killed and there was a very specific reason that was one of what we talked about or even maybe a little bit different? Um, Hmm. Besides this, of course, which is what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, well, so I view projects in a broader sense and I've definitely had that with relationships. Like I, I, I kind of identify relationships as projects, right? Yeah. I know it's a weird way of thinking about things perhaps, but I've looked at some relationships and said, even if this relationship goes as well as possible and we do all the things that I might want to do with this person and we have the best like conversations I could imagine us actually having, is this something that I actually want to maintain in a long-term sense? And in some cases, it's been, no, this person is going to be a drain on my life. This person is going to be negative or something like that. Or they're just not moving in the direction that I would want to be moving in. The things they're doing are not things that I would want to be doing. And so I've decided to 
end those relationships because of that. I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to with relationships. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of specific projects, like we used to do something for a project we had called Amateur Hours, where mm. we were trying to develop a new skill by practicing it for 30 hours in a month, an hour every day, right, to learn mm -hmm. a new thing. And I think that that was really useful and I think that was really valuable, but it was something that at a certain point I couldn't maintain while trying to develop deeper skills and while traveling and while moving to new countries. And so that was a project that I ended up deciding to stop doing Yeah, as, yeah. I guess, a more concrete example. Yeah. It just became unsustainable, right? And it's difficult with some things like that when there's no obvious payoff other than the skill. Yeah, because then at a certain point past the skill... You start thinking, well, where is this going to get me? Like you said, what does success look like for this? Yeah. And how long do I have? And you made an example of this in one of the previous podcasts. How much time am I spending versus how much I'm going to end up getting in return? Well, and one of the questions that I've asked, like I'm involved with this podcast, I'm involved with a couple other podcasts. And one of the things that I've asked all my co-hosts in all of these shows is what would have to happen in the next year for us to still be doing the show in one year? You know what I mean? Mm. And anytime you can force yourself to imagine what does success look like and is that something that can happen, that I want to happen, and that I'm willing to put in the time and energy to get that to happen, like that makes it much more real and much more valuable. And you're right. Looking at that return that you get from that time invested is a really mm. important thing to think about because you can't just burn time and get nothing back from it yeah. at a certain point. Yeah. And another point that you kind of set up with talking about your the other podcast you're working on with a partnership, and this definitely wasn't the reason for us killing this project, but sometimes it's just about the partnership. True. That can be a great reason that we didn't really mention of why something isn't going to work out. Yeah. I mean, when circumstances change, that's a good reason to reassess things. and. Yeah. Whenever you start any sort of collaboration with somebody, you don't really know how it's going to be until you're in it. It's kind of like having a roommate. Like you might have a best friend <laughs> and when you become roommates, well, they might not be a great roommate. You might have a best friend and when you start working with them, suddenly they're terrible to work with. They're unreliable or they're, they get angry or, you know, whatever it is. Same with someone who's a friend and then they're your boss and you're like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Same, same kind of thing. Whenever you bring a relationship and put it into a new context, it's questionable whether or not that, that will work. So yeah, a relationship could sour and that could be a perfect reason to get out of it. Or the circumstances for either person, like you were saying, could change and that could impact the way you're able to work together. Yeah, yeah. That's a great thing to talk about because like when we left Korea suddenly the way we worked together was impossible. We both lived in Korea. We both worked together all the time. We could no longer meet up and go through ideas with each other. We could no longer talk face-to-face. -face. We could no longer record videos face-to-face -face with each other. And that was the best part. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so fundamentally, the work we were doing together needed to change. And that is a perfect reason to either pivot or end a project. But it's also because when you get into things, you never know what they're going to turn out like, and you don't really understand what the outcomes are when you start. At least this is what I've often found. Like with these podcasts, understanding the economics surrounding podcasting is much harder until you get into actually doing it. You get into actually marketing it. You get into your audience metrics, things like that. With so many of these sorts of projects, like if you want to be a 
graphic designer and you try to sell things or you try to market yourself through 99 designs or something like that, right? Mm. You can't really understand what is possible until you get involved in it. And so as you're actually going through the process and learning, you can reassess and you should reassess whether or not you can reach the initial goals you had. Because just like with a startup company or anything like that, when you're starting, you really don't have any concept of what is reasonable to expect. It's really hard to do that, unless you're following an incredibly regimented path, like becoming a doctor, where you know you have to yeah. invest this money and this time, and then you'll get this sort of salary. Anything entrepreneurial, yes. You don't know what you're going to sign up for. Yeah, you just can't have any idea. And your idea starts to form as you put in time and you put in energy. And mm -hmm. you should regularly reassess that as you're going through the process to figure out, well, is this shaping up to something that I can continue to invest my time and energy in? Yeah. And, and I also will say, I think it's just like some people talk about failing fast. I've always been a bit annoyed by that particular terminology, but I think it's useful when you get into projects, especially when you're working with other people. If you feel that you have concerns about it going long-term, mention those, talk about those, address those oh. concerns, because if you let them fester, and you don't do anything, people are going to be dramatically more annoyed with you if you leave it for 9, 10, 12 months, and then you try to kill the project. Especially if you're a key person in the project. Like, yeah. if you're somebody they can replace, it's less of an issue. If you're somebody they can't replace, you need to let them know as soon as you know so that they can make adjustments for that. Really, I, yeah. I think when you're talking about ending something with people, it's so much about showing them respect. Because when you're ending something it should not degrade your ability to have a productive relationship with the person in the future. And that is always a big part of the fear. Yeah. Maybe we can also talk about this from a feedback on how this went. Maybe we can turn into that now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Because I would also love to hear your perspective on we were only working on this for two months. Yeah. The end of November through February, I guess. The very beginning. The very, very beginning. But only in a consistent way for a few months, sure. Right. So I wanted to get your perspective on that too, because I don't necessarily think I let it fester. But then again, like we talked about, okay, like we are going to talk about what's going on, but we didn't really get into how are we feeling about this until we talked more broadly. Maybe this isn't going to be where we're going long term. Yeah. I don't think you let it fester. And, and let's be clear. If I was making the decision in this, I would not be winding this down. I, I've rather <laughs> liked this uh, project we've been working on. And I also want to be clear that I do like this project and I have enjoyed it so much. And I get so excited about the topics and everything. But it goes more back to the point we made about when to kill a project when you know that it doesn't align completely with where you're going. You have to decide where to put your energy. Exactly. This is kind of a remnant of the stuff we'd worked on previously. And uh -huh. it's lingered and it's stuff that we've both been interested in, we both find valuable, but it doesn't fit into your future plans of where you want to take your career and build your future. So it makes sense that you should end it whether or not you're enjoying it. Right. And I would not say that you let it fester at all because you pretty quickly nipped it in the butt. You know what I mean? Like we got <laughs> it off the ground yeah. and then we saw what it was, let it be birthed into the world and then assessed it and decided to not move forward with it. 
I think that's perfectly reasonable. But I think you're right that a lot of people in this sort of situation in my shoes would get angry about it or resentful or annoyed or what have you because you've put in work, you've put in time, you've put in energy, and then it's being wound down. But I think people, when they have that response, they're missing the point. Like the point is people have to make decisions for themselves. You're not doing this for charity to make my life better, right? Like you're doing this because it's a valuable project in your life. And as we talked about in the last episode, to the extent that you don't find it valuable and you're not getting enough reward for it, you're like a supplier to me. I need you to be involved in this and you need me to be involved in this. And to the extent that we don't both keep each other fully satisfied and fully engaged, we can't expect the person to donate their time and energy to a project that does not fit into their future. And so I think it makes perfect sense to address it like that and to wind it down. But I think the way you go about it is very important. And you have to treat the person you're dealing with with respect and be clear and be direct with the way you're communicating about it. Yeah, and I know it doesn't necessarily have to be such a big deal, but you kind of hype it up in your head because you realize how much time and energy, and like you said, there has to be so much respect because this is a big deal. You're both working on something together. You've been working hard on it. For for me, I knew you were working a lot harder on it because you were doing all the back end of it. Sure. And the biggest part of it was, how do I do this in a way that he can understand all my motives and logic behind the decision, but also how do I do it in a way that I can maintain this friendship that I do see as valuable, that I do want to maintain? How do I walk that line? Yeah, and I think it's important to be conscientious with these sorts of things, because you're right, like it it can be a touchy or sensitive subject. But as you said, the key is just communicating it in a reasonable way. And one of the things that I've found useful, and I mean, it makes sense because like the way we relate to each other, the things we talk about, the things we think about, it makes sense that we would be able to handle this better than perhaps some people who might get really angry and throw knives at each other or something. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've talked to people. <laughs> Through the computer screen. <laughs> yeah. I've had so many people that I've talked to who have had relationships completely blow up when they're working together didn't work. Yeah. And to a certain extent, that has to do with professionalism. If you have a certain level of professionalism, you're not going to be outraged about somebody making a decision about their life. It can also depend on how many, we say projects loosely, because you were talking also about how you say projects for people as well. But if you have a lot of different balls in the air and you're surrounded by people who also have so many different projects, you can assume that at some point they're going to have to decide which ones are going to be the priority. So it helps True. that you know how much other, how many other you know what's going on with interests they have. Yeah. yeah. So you, you kind of expect something is going to happen eventually and it's either going to be full on to this or full on to your project. Yeah. And I think the way you think about the way you relate to the people you work with is really important in this. And it, it brings me back to something that I read. I forget the company, but I, I read about this one company that essentially had the construct in their head that they were preparing people for their next job. So Hmm. when they hired people, they hired good, smart people. They trained them as much as they could train them. And then they weren't upset when they left because like, if they couldn't move them up in their own firm, they were happy to have them go off somewhere else to move up in the world, right? And I know that that's sometimes a hard perspective to have. But very rational, especially given this day and age and how much you expect people to change careers. Yeah, and even more so in this situation than in an employer-employee relationship, where 
you understand that a lot of what you're trying to do with and for the person that you work with is to help them improve, help them move their life forward, help them improve their prospects. And to the extent that they do the same for you, that's great. Your purpose is not to have them work for you or work with you. Your purpose is to better them. And if they can better themselves by moving on to other things, you should be glad about that. Because now this person that you have a relationship with, this person that values you and you value, will go probably be more successful than they would be otherwise off in their other projects. And that potentially would be a resource for you in the future or potentially would just be a happier, better off person that you value. Right. It's one of the things that I've always, now I'm going to leave that to the side. I'm not going to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that perspective. I think you said it very well because any decent person wants the people they're surrounded by and friends, people they're close to, to be doing what makes the most sense for them and what really lights them up, what really is stimulating on so many levels. So to get someone going in that direction because they're not as suited for what you were doing is a better fit for them. So that's great. You want to be happy for them. Exactly. And also, even from a less altruistic perspective, the the idea that anyone... (laughs) Love it. Well, no. (laughs) The idea that anyone that you work with owes you anything is a bit outrageous. Just think about it from an employer-employee perspective first. Like if you hire someone, you hire them because they bring you or your company more value. And if you train them, you train them because they will then provide your company more value. Everything you're doing is self-interested. At the point that they leave to pursue their own interests, they don't owe you for these things. You did those things to benefit your own company. And likewise, in this sort of relationship, not that we're necessarily super self-centered all of the time, but we're generally not doing things we don't want to do that we don't think are productive, that we don't think are valuable. And Mm -hmm. you cannot expect someone else to do those things. Right. That's just silly. No one owes you that. You're not my sister. You know what I mean? Like, you're not my mother. You don't owe me support and whatever. Like, And and it's funny. I am going to go into this. I said I wasn't earlier, but I'm going to (laughs) go into it. Like, it's funny when I talk to people who are friends of mine who have this perspective. I think it's a widespread perspective on friendship, perhaps just in our generation. I'm not sure. Maybe it goes further back. But a lot of friends seem to judge people who they don't deem to be good friends or they think their friends owe them a certain amount of time or social interaction or what have you. And I always think it's such a weird thing that friends ever think that other friends owe them things unless they like lent the money or something. But like if you're hanging out with someone and you're spending time with them, it's because you enjoy spending time with them and you enjoy being with them. And to the extent that you don't enjoy the friendship, stop being friends with them. So that means essentially that you're always enjoying the friendships that you're in, or you should be. And if a friend isn't doing what you want, end the friendship, but they don't owe you anything. They never owe you anything. Like if they're not enjoying doing something, they shouldn't have to do it. That's just a a simplistic perspective. Yeah. And this can be said for projects like what we've been talking about in this episode, as well as friendships that it really all comes down to what are your expectations of that friend like that friend is going to be themselves and you can't control them but if you're expecting them to be something that they're not or you're expecting things to go in a different way than they would go because that's not the way the friend does things you need to change your expectations the same can be said to a job or a project or anything of that sort 
Yeah, exactly. It's it's so much more work to try to swim uphill or to try to reform everything to the way you want it to be. Better to go someplace and be with people who already are the way you want them to be. And then you don't have to like kill people to reshape them into the image that you want them to fill. And this applies to jobs. Like I think if you hate a job and you hate the way a company works and you hate the culture of it, leave the job. Go find a different mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. There are other jobs out there in the world. And this applies to just about anything. And so to yeah. tie this all back into projects, if something isn't going the way you thought it should go, if something isn't going the way you want it to go and you're not enjoying it, you're not finding it valuable, try to figure out why that is and figure out, should I end it? Should I change it? What needs to happen so that I find this valuable, fulfilling, and moving me in a direction that I want to go in? Yeah, with projects and jobs, there might be a lot of different aspects of that that you don't agree with but if there's enough value for you you know like there could be a certain amount of time like a project like a job that you know you're going to commit to and you're going to get the value you need and then you move on they expect that you expect that yeah absolutely that goes back to that employee employer relationship where it's a Mm -hmm. really good perspective to say this person put in three or four years with us they're great i appreciate them they're moving on to a different thing that's a perfectly reasonable thing for them to do i hope they do well in whatever they're doing right Other people being successful in the world does not make you less successful. It makes the world better and it makes you better. Right. But tying it back to what you said earlier, like you don't have to be altruistic, but you should be respectful of how you go about it because they don't owe you anything. But at the same time, you should set it up in a way that kind of works in both favors because you shouldn't be trying to burn that bridge either. Yeah, absolutely. You want everyone to be still benefiting, still getting to where they want to go. Yeah, like I am probably the furthest from an altruistic person that there is. <laughs> and I treat people well because I see value in treating people well. And I see that it makes my life easier. It makes my relationships better. And it makes everything go smoother in the world. And so... You don't have to be giving away everything all the time in order to do things well and treat people well and have these things work out decently. It's it's all about respect, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So since we're not doing this anymore, <laughs> can you let everybody know, and maybe in a little bit more detail than we've talked about before, what other stuff are you working on? What is the incredible alluring things that are drawing you away from this (laughs) so my current job is a wholesale business developer at a local bakery and i am now getting into the actual like going and networking and talking to people and trying to lead generate on accounts so that as a mind share piece of the pie is just more it's big yeah Yeah, it's just I want everything to be more cohesive. I want to be more in food. I want to have time to go to these restaurants and start talking to these chefs and start forming the relationships. Yeah. And what bakery is that again? It's called Zach the Baker. Zach the Baker, okay. Yep, in Miami, Florida, a local like sourdough artisanal bread bakery. It's good stuff, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's very tasty stuff. I'm excited to get down there at some point and try it. I love sourdough. If we were into freezing, which we're not, I would figure out a way to ship something. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's I feel like you guys have some pretty good stuff considering the pastry chefs are French. <laughs> True. I don't think they ship their bread over here very often. But, yeah. You've, pretty you've good got bread, a yeah. lot of good European influence to get you yeah. what you need. Yeah. Yeah, there's good stuff. And then the two other parts, the projects that I am working on are 
a website called straightfromthesourcesmouth.co. It's a website about learning more about food, but also supporting farmers and producers by talking about brands that actually are more transparent with their supply chains. Yeah, you have a lot of focus on the origins of food and where it comes from and how it's actually produced, right? Exactly. I'm kind of creating something that I wish was out there and I want to know how was this made and how did it get to me and what is more of the story? And there's just not a lot of that. And if there is, the brands aren't very explicit with their stories. I completely agree with you. Supply chains around the world over the last 20, 30 years have become incredibly sophisticated and complicated. And it's made it difficult to figure out what things are and where they come from and how they're made. And especially with something as important and central as food, it would be useful to understand that a little bit more and to be able to just figure that out. Right. And I'm still at a very basic level and I have a lot of learning to do on it. So I'm not going to be very sophisticated for quite some time, but it's something I'm so interested in and I'm already Mm. so ingrained in the food culture, getting into it in Miami and I've been doing that on farms in Southeast Asia. So I'm just excited to really start digging into it and making connections and building on the website. Yeah, I was going to say, you talk about yourself being at a basic level, but (laughs) you've you've had a lot of experience on farms, dealing hands-on with agriculture, dealing with people in the industry, working in the industry. Like I think your knowledge base is not as limited as you uh, are perhaps framing it, in my estimation. But like compared to your average person, you have an incredible amount of knowledge. Perhaps you're not the most expert person in the industry, but... You know, yeah, but that's part the of reporting it. reporting is how you develop that knowledge, the research and the learning. Like, this is one of exactly. the things that I found fascinating as I look at, like, documentarians mm-hmm. and other people producing really detailed educational content. A lot of people know very little about the stuff that they're producing when they start preparing to produce it. And it's the process of actually producing that media, actually developing that expertise as you write and as you research that gives you all of the knowledge that you end up sharing with everyone. Yeah, and I give that caveat that I'm not an expert because I am someone who has a good amount of knowledge on certain subjects, but very little knowledge on a lot of subjects. We're talking food and Broad, you know, yeah. supply chain, that's huge. Yeah. And also when you think of someone starting a business, you a lot of times assume, or I used to, oh, they're this professional and they've been doing this for so long. But no, like you just said, they often learn as they're doing it and that's how they become a professional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Develops over time. So yeah, you said there so was another part. The last part is that part of my overall plan is to have more financial freedom to go work with farmers and work on these things that are not going to generate a lot of money, but I want to to be able to do them because I'm passionate about them and I want to be doing them, but I need to have some money. So I'm starting to get into real estate investing and I'm currently working towards buying my first property in Miami. And that has been just researching and getting the knowledge I need to feel comfortable is quite an undertaking. And I didn't realize how much of an undertaking until I felt pulled in a lot of directions and realized I really needed to narrow my focus to get to my goal. Yeah, there's a lot of time and energy uh, necessary (laughs) in order to make good decisions in terms of real estate. 
Yeah. So I've gone from many, many things and feeling very multidimensional to at times I'll probably need a break from food and real estate. But for now, I'm focused. (laughs) Yeah. Like companies on stock exchanges have financial standards where they all have to be comparable. And property has none of that. Property is not comparable. Every neighborhood is different. Every property is different. It's, it's a lot of work Every on the pocket ground. of every neighborhood is different, even yes. in their crime ratings when you look at a map. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's a lot. And I'm new to Miami, so that makes things interesting. <laughs> hey, you know, it helps you get to know the city, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so some of the things I'm working on yep. that I will continue to be working on, obviously this is a podcast we've been working on. It's on the Subject Radio Network at subjectradio.com. There are two other podcasts on that network that I am on. They are Polis and While We're on the Subject. Polis, as we talked about last episode briefly, talks a lot about cities and policy and politics and how cities are changing, how important they are in shaping the world and shaping our lives and our health and everything about everything we do. And while we're on the subject was my first podcast that was started just briefly before this one. Mm -hmm. And I started recording it when I was in China. It's with one of my longtime friends from my childhood who has always talked to me about weird and interesting things. And we cover a broad (laughs) array of things. The idea is that we talk about interesting intellectual topics that people maybe don't come across very often. And you guys can listen and join our conversations. We've talked about things from... Catalonian independence in Spain, to discoveries of mammoth fossils in California, to demographics of China, you know, all sorts of nice. random things. A lot. And that one is while we're on the subject, right? Yes, while we're on the subject. Yeah, like we cover random things in grammar, because I happen to be pretty interested in languages, a, a, whole bunch, a whole bunch of things. So, you know, join us for either of those. While we're on the subject comes out every Tuesday, Polis comes out every other Friday. It's a fortnightly one they're a lot of fun so if you're enjoying podcasts if you like listening to me check those out also i have newly yeah your new one (laughs) yes that i just saw that's awesome (laughs) i've been working on this here and there for a while it's been in kind of stealth mode for a bit but i have recently published my first (laughs) video on youtube at john jam rob uh, which is kind of my screen name pretty much everywhere and so check it out the first one was news of the world hopefully it's going to be a monthly show where i talk about all of the most important news stories around the world in the month it's supposed to be brief concise just introducing you to a bunch of different topics that are valuable and it's animated and a little bit weird and hopefully going to improve over time but that's just started you can always reach out to me at john jam rob on twitter and say hi let me know what's up keep listening follow us on everything else yeah give give you some feedback on it share it with friends all that good stuff definitely looking for feedback was there anything else you wanted to touch on jess i think that's it if anyone's interested in food come over to straight from the sources co and you can't find me anywhere yet but eventually you will <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah. come over there <laughs> yeah go over there see what she's working on it's it's really good stuff all right. Eventually, I am looking to rope her into something else and continue to work with Jess. But for the time being, I guess I will not talk to you next week. Yeah, I will see you next. I will not see you next week. I'm yes, so I will not see that. you. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you at some point in the future. You can find our show notes in case anybody's curious and links to all of the other stuff we're working on at subjectradio.com/ntl/011. And that's it. So I'll see you at some point in the distant future. Yeah, Jess. 
All right. Yes. Okay. Bye. That's a wrap. Okay. Well, have a good one. You too. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? Are we? Are we? Are we, doing, not are we done with the podcast? Or are we gonna talk? Oh yeah, we're just we're just wrapping oh, up the podcast. Okay.